in the Civil Rights Act of 1968, America does move forward. And the bell of freedom rings out a little louder. Hi there, this is A Little Louder, a podcast for wonks, housers, and rabble-rousers, where we talk about fair housing, community development, and how we can use these issues to build people power and work toward equity and justice. I'm Christina Rosales. And I'm John Hinneberger. And today we're talking about... What we're really talking about is housing opportunity, John. Yeah, and it's an issue that Texas has been having some significant problems with, as we've discussed in past episodes, because our legislature has denied the opportunity of people with housing choice vouchers to be free from discrimination. So today we're going to hear from from a client of the Inclusive Communities Project out of Dallas and her journey to use her voucher, which was really not easy for her and her three kids. And then we'll talk about a report done by the Inclusive Communities Project, where they surveyed more than a 1000 properties and whether asked them whether they would take vouchers. Spoiler alert, very few of them did. Frequent listeners to our podcast will remember that we've talked about the Inclusive Communities Project before on the show. It's one of the organizations that we admire the most in the fair housing world in Texas. It's been around for a number of years. It's based in Dallas. It's an organization that came to being to combat the discrimination which the city of Dallas and the Dallas Housing Authority visited upon African-American residents of public housing over the course of the early years of public housing, starting in the 1940s and continuing all the way up into the 1980s. On the line, we have Samara Nero, who lives in Denton County, so that's just in the DFW area. Ms. Nero, will you introduce yourself? Tell us your name and kind of a little bit about you, your family, and um, and, and where you live. Okay, my name is Samara Nero. I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana. I have three kids. Uh, I stay in, in the Louisville area that I love. I guess it's a good district, a school district for my kids. Where were you living before you moved to Louisville? I stayed in Garland, Texas. You needed housing opportunity, and I imagine you applied for a voucher. Can you tell me what that was like? It was good, uh, and I guess it's, it go I, uh, the three months trying to find a place is very frustrating. They give you a website to go on to find you a place, but when you go to the apartment, they always say that they are, they're not accepting Dallas, Dallas housing. How long um, did you have to wait to get that voucher? I imagine, I've heard that the waiting times could be very long. You know, how long did it take you to, to finally get that voucher? Uh, it took me a year and a half. You waited a year and a half to to get that voucher. Yeah, yeah. What did it feel like when you finally got it? What when you when they said, "Hey, you're you're next up on the list." What did it feel like to you? It feel it's like finally, <laughs> finally. I think it, you know what I got it. I think I had to stay. Matter of fact, I had to uh, stay in a shelter. I think they make it go faster because I I have a son that has a disability. So by me staying in a shelter, I think it boosted. You know my list up or, or my name up and plus having a son that disability they say that would oh that's their first priority i think it was what i was told so then you got the voucher and you thought finally i can find a place and then you started yes. uh, you started your search and so 
tell me about what that that search was like. It was very frustrating because I didn't have a car, and and the the, the list the listing that they posted on go section eight. Uh, dot com. It was okay, but when you go to the places, it was different because they always say that they're not accepting Dallas housing. So that was very frustrating trying to find something. Would they um, uh, offer you any explanation about why they wouldn't take your voucher? No. It's just like we're not working with uh, Dallas housing. Where were you looking, and what was what was the going in your mind about where you wanted to live? A great environment for my kids, not so much violence, but uh, I looked in Plano. I searched in uh, Mesquite, Garlin. These are suburbs of Dallas. These are all to the northern part of, on the northern side of Dallas, right? Correct. What What was it about those cities? It was primarily the the safety issue for you. Yes, Miss Nero. It. I I know that your experience in your search for housing opportunity is not, it's its not unique. It's very, very common. So we have Demetria McCain, who is executive director at the Inclusive Communities Project. Demetria, talk about how Ms. Nero's, Ms. Nero's journey, how you've seen it so many times before. We've seen this so much. You know, we've been helping um, voucher families search for housing since 2005. So we're we're this side of 15 years of, of doing this and, and watching them come up against barriers and our counselors who help them watching them come up against barriers. And, and this is just one type of barrier. The, the landlord discrimination against people with vouchers is just one type of barrier. So many of our families prioritize different things, particularly ones who have children. Often they're trying to 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 move, as Ms. Nero said, places that are safer as far as public safety is concerned and crime is concerned. Often they're trying to move to um, school districts that are known to be higher performing. A, a lot of things go into play, but those are the two main things that we hear. And when they do do that, those are the communities where it's very difficult to find particularly multifamily housing that will um, accept families with vouchers. I mean, and these are families who otherwise qualify. It's not like they don't qualify according to the tenant selection criteria. It's just the issue that part of the rent comes from the subsidy. Demetria, you, um, over the past few years, ICP has conducted a survey of of landlords to investigate this a little further and to provide further evidence about how common this problem is that Ms. Nero faced. What what have your reports found in the last years and, and, and what does your re- most recent report say? So our most recent report, we um, released our findings actually in November 2020 and those findings pretty dismal. We found that uh, generally the acceptance rate by apartment complexes, and these are apartment complexes that are reasonably priced, you know, apartment complexes where the rent is at, is at a level that the voucher could, could be used there. And so out of the 1413 or 1,413 complexes that we tested this go round, we found that only 7% of the landlords said that they would take people who use the voucher subsidy. Now, mind you, housing subsidies are used 
all over this country, actually, the subsidy that people get when they are able to, to, to do their taxes every year because they're homeowners, the mortgage interest deduction, that's a, sub, that's a housing subsidy. But yet there's widespread discrimination when we talk about this particular type of housing subsidy. So 7% acceptance rate in the study that we just came out with this year. We did this study a few years ago, we released findings in 2016, and that showed a 12% acceptance rate. So actually things are getting worse. Things We've seen things get worse over time. In 2017, we studied a little, we, we surveyed a few more properties. It was 1,900 properties back in 2017. But this time around, like I said, the acceptance rates was at 7%. Do you have any idea or any hypothesis about why things are getting worse um, as voucher holders are trying to use this, this benefit? It's hard to say. I'm sure there are a number of factors, but in the Dallas area, we're becoming really kind of a magnet for people to move to Dallas. Our housing markets are getting hotter and hotter. We have a, a IT corridors here, so we have a lot of people moving in from other parts of the country, finding housing. So the market is tight, and so you're talking about people who are kind of fighting on some level for some of the same housing that our families are. And at the same time, we've done nothing to to deal with the issues of discrimination, because it's it's important to understand that for a Dallas Housing Authority voucher holders, that population is over 85% Black. And some of the communities where, where we studied the uh, rate of denial of voucher holders is, is huge when it comes to majority white zip codes. For instance, in a survey that we just did, only 5% of the complexes in majority white non-Hispanic zip codes accepted voucher. Ms. Nero, back to you. I wanted to find out a little bit more about what you went through as you tried to find housing in the in the Dallas northern suburbs. You said you didn't have a car. How how were you able to find out about apartment projects? You know, how did you just physically go out and look at them in advance? Uh, I I had my brother assist me and a friend of mine to help me ride around and search for a uh, were you able to get a list of apartments that would take Section 8? Yes. Uh, housing, uh, Dallas Housing give you a list also. So I go off that list and scratch the ones that, that they, they are not taking them. And then the Go Section 8 website. The Go Section 8 website is a, is a website for people who have a voucher that is supposed to list apartment projects that will take a voucher. Is that right? Correct. I think you told us that a lot of those places that you went to on that Go Section 8 list actually said they weren't going to take a Dallas Housing Authority voucher. There was no reason given per se. It's just they didn't want to take one from, they didn't want to take a Section 8 voucher from Dallas, huh? Yes, correct. Ms. Nero, when you, um, you went to Inclusive Communities Project to help, talk about how it finally worked out that you were able to find an, a nice place. How how did ICP help, and, and what did it feel like when you finally were able to say, okay, this is my home, I found it? Oh, they, ICP, is a, it was, they were fast, you know. You call them, if they don't answer, they give you a call right back and, and ask, you know, what's the apartment name and, and things like that, and they go from there. It wasn't hard working with ICP. They're a blessing. It was a blessing to me and my family. 
One of the things we hear a lot is that people who get their voucher have a limited amount of time to use the voucher or they have to turn it back. Was that a concern of yours? Yes, I did have to get an extension. Like if you don't find something in three months, you, you qualify, I think, for one extension. And I did do that, so it gave me more time to actually find something. And how long would you say it was from the time you first got you got your voucher first offered to you until you actually moved into a place? Four to five months, if I'm not mistaken. Four or five months. That's more than a third of a year. That's a long time to be uh, looking for a, a place to rent. Yes. Do yes. you ever get discouraged in that process? Yes. At times I did want to get a voucher back, but I know that me and my kids needed somewhere. So I I just had to continue to search. How were you doing that search? Were you calling places every day? Were you visiting every week? What what was the time that you spent searching? Oh, during the week I I did like um, drive my kids out of school. So it was like I did like um, four times a week, going to like two or three uh, apartments a day. Wow. Do you have any kind of idea of how many apartments you ended up looking at? Yes. I, I could tell you. I can count because I went to Plano. I searched like three apartments in Plano. And these are the ones that you actually went in and visited? Is that? Uh-huh. Yes. I, w- I went in and visited and I was asking them, oh, uh, do they have available apartments? Yes. Oh, do y'all accept oh, Dallas housing? They asked you a voucher you're holding, and I say Dallas, and it was like, we are not accepting Dallas. And it was a lot of them that say that, and I never bothered to ask why. How are your kids doing in school? How are the schools where you've now moved to? I love it. They're doing good. What is the what is the neighborhood like compared to where you had been living before? What What do you like about it? It's so peaceful. And the school district, the crime rate, you don't get that much of crime back here. Very peaceful. You know, I, I'm a mom, too, and, and I, I, all, I care about my neighborhood and stuff. And when I think about what you're telling me, Miss Nero, it's not very different than anybody else. Whether you have a voucher or not, all you want is, like, a nice place to live with a good school and a peaceful neighborhood. Yes. Yeah. Do you see yourself moving in the future, or are you pretty much set now? Oh, I'm pretty much set now. If I do move, we're going to be in the Louisville area. You like Louisville as a place to live after being yes. there a little while. Good, good. Yes. Demetria, is, is Ms. Nero's experience a really common one in your experience? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a very common situation that, that Ms. Nero's gone through. The discrimination against voucher holders is so widespread. I mean, you, unique to Dallas is that Dallas housing voucher holders can move throughout seven counties. That's Dallas County and all the adjacent counties. Now, our study didn't cover all seven counties. It only covered Dallas, Collin, Ditton, and Rockwall counties. But as an example from Ms. Nero, those are the counties where she was looking. Not all of them, but but it covered where she was looking. And John, really, even when we were looking, um, if you break things down by municipality, there were actually 18 municipalities in those four counties that had absolutely no apartment complexes that would take vouchers. 
Zero. Mm. I mean, some of these municipalities actually get CDBG funding from HUD. You know, municipalities like Allen, Flower Mound, Rowlett, there's not an apartment complex in those cities that take vouchers. So the problem is widespread. I know you probably find some of the same things in other parts of the state, but this is how things play out in, in the Dallas Metroplex area. It's 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 really harsh. It's really harsh. And then when you look at the, I, I mentioned earlier that 5% of the complex and majority white non-Hispanic zip codes took vouchers, 22% in majority black zip codes accepted vouchers. So you can see how that acceptance rate really steers people to areas where it sounds as if Ms. Nero was not trying to move. And, and give us some sense, Demetria, the the Section 8 voucher holders in the area, what is their predominant ethnicity and what is the predominant ethnicity in these really very desirable northern Dallas suburbs? Uh, the voucher holders uh, through Dallas Housing Authority are over 85% black. And voucher holders, generally speaking, um, in the Dallas metroplex area tend to be majority black families. However, in the northern suburban area, the populations in those in those um, parts of town are, you have a very low population of blacks, particularly low income black people. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we have a lot of IT quarters coming through. So you do have racial and ethnic diversity, but those tend to be at the higher end of the spectrum um, when you look at uh, people's incomes. And I know you've done the study of neighborhood quality. You've studied the school performance in these in different uh, cities in the Metroplex area and looked at crime rates and the like. Help, uh, help us understand a little bit about how the area where Ms. Nero used to live varies in terms of the school quality and the neighborhood safety issues and jobs and things like that. I know you may not be able to speak specifically to where she moved from, but the generally the type of neighborhood that she moved from. Certainly. Uh, well, she moved, she didn't, she, as Ms. Nero mentioned, she did not live in the city of Dallas. She moved from Garland. And Garland is an inner ring suburb, an older suburb adjacent to the city of Dallas, just kind of like north northeast to the city of Dallas. And and actually, its school district is, is not so bad. Um, many of the schools there, most if not all, are performing at state level requirements. But the Louisville area tends to perform at a higher rate and you have less poverty and higher median incomes up in the Louisville area. And so many of the families that we work with actually are actually moving from the city of Dallas, where the, the school performance and, and the median income and poverty have very different numbers than Garland and Louisville. But Louisville is further north, actually it's further northwest of the city of Dallas um, and not an entering suburb. And the job situation in those areas is there's a lot of a lot of corporate relocation going on in Plano and those northern Dallas suburbs, if I understand right. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and that goes to why the market is so tight. The housing market is so tight in those areas. And, and it's attracted people from high income cities like San Francisco, Chicago, New York, those kind of places. And so people are pressed. And actually, there have been um, complaints in the past that people are not able to get unskilled workers to work in, let's say, retail areas or are those kind of jobs because people can't afford to to to, to live there, um, which require them to commute um, very long hours to get to those areas where all those jobs are? 
this this is a, a systemic problem that you're pointing out. It it voucher discrimination further cements segregation in our in our country's cities and and it has poor effects on families, especially families of color with low incomes. I think a few city leaders around the state have recognized this as an issue. And a few years ago, Austin, the city of Austin and and the city of Dallas even began to think about how to solve this issue. And they came up with propositions to, to have local ordinances that would ban this kind of discrimination. So Demetria, what what happened when when those discussions were started and some cities like the city of Austin passed an ordinance banning discrimination? What happened? The city of Austin was really bold. Um, not only were they bold in passing an ordinance banning voucher discrimination, but they ended up having to go up against uh, uh, the apartment association. The apartment association opposed it and went so far as actually to sue the city to try to stop enforcement of that particular ordinance. And the city dug dug in and actually, you know, fought. Meanwhile, over in Dallas, the city of Dallas had gotten in trouble with HUD for fair housing issues. And HUD had recommended several things the city of Dallas should do. One was consideration of a similar type of ordinance. So while that was pending, the Apartment Association um, started lobbying against uh, these kind of things in Dallas as well. And during that time, they went to the state legislature and got the state legislature to actually pass a statute banning such ordinances. <laughs> so so in effect, city of Dallas, city of Austin were told, we don't care what you think, what's going on on a local level. We're, we as a state are going to tell you what you can't do. So they really preempted any type of opportunity for that to happen. And I, I, that was that was in 2015 when that all shook out. And at this point um, in 2020, Texas and Indiana are the only states in the country that have that kind of law that prohibit local officials or local bodies from providing that protection for for voucher holders. We're working pretty hard to to change that. Our legislative agenda includes changing the State Fair Housing Act to include voucher holders as a protected class, just the same way that um, the Fair Housing, the Texas Fair Housing Act protects people of color based on race, religion, disability status. We are proposing that voucher holders get that similar protection. So that's that's kind of where we are. I mean, what else should we be doing to solve this systemic issue, Demetria? Because of the pandemic. We now see more people paying attention to issues of housing and affordable housing because they're worried about evictions because they lost their jobs. Who are the landlords who are not suffering as much because of layoffs? That will be landlords who rent to voucher holders. Why? Because the subsidy covers the rent that is above and beyond 30 percent of the tenant's portion of rent, right? Because the tenants pay up to 30% of their income towards their rent and the voucher covers the rest. So if I'm a voucher holder and all of a sudden I lose my job and now I have zero income, well, then the voucher compensates the landlord for that tenant portion. And so we really need the landlord community or the apartment community who have been accepting vouchers to step up, talk to their talk to their allies, talk to their colleagues. We need cities to step up and talk to the state legislature 
about some of these issues. Now, now only one in four people who qualify for a voucher get it. So there's a lot more people who are a lower income who need the housing help. So this is just one tool. We should be looking at lots of other tools as well. In the meantime, while the ban exists, you know, what are cities and what have you doing to incentivize landlords to take the voucher? I know the Dallas Housing Authority has instituted over these last six months during the pandemic some way to do some remote inspections of apartments and things of that nature. And so it seems like their inspection process has been sped up a bit. They've had the help of a few people from the apartment industry here in Dallas. So it takes everybody to to fix this problem and to care. And with more and more people being laid off, we're going to see more and more people in need of housing that is affordable to lower income folks. Yeah, it's the responsible thing to do because we are, everyone is strapped for cash at this moment. And when we are making people like Ms. Nero search and search and search for an apartment and, and wait three, four, five months before they can find it, um, and then landlords are talking about how they're suffering because they're not getting rent. When we don't provide these voucher protections, we're leaving federal resources, federal money on the table. So in addition to the morally right thing to do, discrimination is bad and we should ban it. This is also an issue of fiscal responsibility. So I and, and that's kind of what uh, what the Texas politics pays attention to, you would think. There's a lot to do, a lot of work ahead, and, and our legislature meets in, in January. And this, at, at least for the housing community, this is one of the things on the top of, of our agenda. And when the legislature does meet in January, I hope that the folks who are listening join with the Inclusive Communities Project and Texas Housers and petition the legislature to repeal this egregious law legalizing discrimination and give Ms. Nero and uh, families like hers the opportunity to more freely choose where to live and to have more options and to have options like the rest of us have. Christina, we're out of time right now. I think we should thank uh, Demetria and especially Ms. Nero for taking the time to help us learn a little bit about what Section 8 voucher holders are putting up with these days. Thank you, Ms. Nero. Do you have any any last words to say? (laughs) (laughs) No, thank you for giving me the opportunity. Yeah, you're welcome. I appreciate it. So I, I think Dimitri is right. I think we have to think of this not as an individual voucher holder's problem or one family or several families' problems. This is this is a community issue. When when one of our neighbors is experiencing discrimination, we have to do something about it. It's our it's our obligation. So I hope our listeners will will think of this as a sort of love thy neighbor kind of call out. That's what we're asking folks to do here. So with that, I I think that's our show, John. Everybody watch out for the legislation coming in January to remove this stain of discrimination from our state that legalizes the discrimination against Section 8 voucher holders. And let's, let's get our state back in the mainstream. Right now, we're one of only two states in the nation that prohibit ordinances that protect people from this discrimination. That's our show, everybody. A Little Louder is produced by John and me. Our music is by JT Herchmack. Let us know what you want to hear. Email me at christina at texashousing.org. Follow us on Twitter and at texashousers.org. Bye, y'all. Bye.
านมา